Many of us find a long soak in the bath really strips away the tensions of the day. But have you ever tried a sound bath to help you relax? Let's find out how they work and most importantly about the evidence behind them. I spoke with Dr. Emma O'Brien, OAM, a music therapist who leads the music therapy service at the Royal Melbourne Hospital and clinical therapeutic sound practitioner, Nicole Sultana. I asked Nicole to describe what's involved in having a sound bath. So there are two ways. Either you're coming into a group session where there's other people or you're a one-on-one. Yeah, obviously the one-on-one one is more um, aligned to your specific needs. But yeah, what happens is you'll come in, you'll find a relaxing position, whether it be lying down or sitting. And your invitation is to deeply listen. Yeah. Um, So what are you listening to? You're listening to the instruments I'm playing. You're following them around the room or around the body and you're listening to yourself. So you're lying down and and following with your ears as these vibrations move around. Exactly. You're following with your ears, but your whole body, your skin is differentiated ability to hear and feel and sense. So you're listening yeah, with your whole body, but you're also listening to yourself. What's my mind saying? What's my body saying? How am I responding? So it's twofold. And tell us a bit about the instruments and the sounds that they make. So the instruments are very specific. They have what's called overtones uh, or big harmonics. So the sound lingers or wobbles. And it's within those spaces of the lingering that the mind and body can find uh, the relaxation. The brain waves can slowly calm down the heart rate. Yeah. So are they very resonant sounds? They are very resonant sounds, yes. Okay. And the body in that way responds. It, it entrains with the sound, yeah. I notice you've brought in a beautiful metal bowl. I and have. I know that's one of the instruments people use. Yeah. Uh, tell us a bit about, are there other instruments though as well? Yeah, it's a wide variety of instruments, which is what makes this field so exciting. So instruments such as gongs, yes, Tibetan um, singing bowls, flutes, uh, drone instruments. Uh, what else do we use? Rain sticks, chimes, yeah, tuning okay. forks. Hmm. Could you make some sound with the I bowl? I can, let's see what it sounds like. Oh, there's so, a beautiful red fluffy kind of giant drumstick that Nicole's got in her hand. Right, are you ready? And you can hear her moving it closer to the microphone and away. So I'll stop it there because it'll keep going. That's amazing. That was one bong and it just went on and on and on. So we're speaking with Nicole Sultana, who's a clinical therapeutic sound practitioner. Nicole, people will be wondering what kind of training you have to mm. do to, to become a sound practitioner. Yeah, sure. It's wide and varied. Uh, I think as a practitioner, you need to take responsibility, right? So I was trained in New York and I was privileged to be trained by many highly um, skilled people in the field. Yeah, but nowadays there's various courses that are popping up. I would suggest to anyone that's interested, really do your research and, yeah, take responsibility because, I mean, you're dealing with people's emotions. You know, you need to take responsibility. I think that's, yeah. Well, yeah, is it a bit like meditation or mindfulness where it can be great for some people and really quite damaging for other people? I don't know if I'd use the word damaging, but what what happens is I think there's an assumption that people will feel calm and relaxed by the sounds, but some sounds may be dissonant for some people, and that's probably where you need to be mindful. 
Yeah. I understand too that, Nicole, you use uh, sound therapy in workplace settings to focus people's minds and get teams working together. Yeah, right. How does that work, though, when it seems like such an internal process, you're lying down and, and focusing mm. inside your closed eyes? Well, it's quite profound. I was working in New York at a hospice and they and treating hospice patients with sound out of life. And they asked me to do a session for their staff. I went in and did the session and afterwards uh, one of the nurses came out and said to me, you know, before you came in, we were arguing. We were in this meeting where we were arguing. And he said, now, like that's the last thing on our minds. So something happens when a group comes together and finds a place of resonance. That's what's happening. We're finding a place of resonance both within ourselves and with our surroundings. So it improves relationships. I think lying down for half an hour would probably just do that for me. <laughs> but still, it's everyone's uh, choice. We're speaking with Nicole Sultana, who's a clinical therapeutic sound practitioner and who made that beautiful sound you heard from the Tibetan bowl just then. And with us too is Dr Emma O'Brien, who's a sound therapist. She leads the music therapy service at the Royal Melbourne Hospital. Emma, you've integrated sound bars into your wellbeing uh, program for your team. I guess uh, we do need to ask about the evidence around it because... Because I imagine it's, you know, it's a different way of paying attention. It can shift your thoughts away from, as you say, the, the intense uh, environment that you might be working in. Mm. But how strong is the scientific evidence that it helps on an emotional level, for example? Yeah, so that's, that's evolving. It's very difficult with areas like this too because you're using quite blunt instruments that, you know, like a profile of mood states, which isn't actually trying to pick up what's happening in a sound bath. Um, but the evidence is showing that people do feel more relaxed, they feel more at ease, they have clearer thought patterns afterwards. It seems to be that initial session is the one that's got that most power, that novel experience. But what I really love about what Nicole does in her work and other sound therapists I've worked with, when you've got this almost whole orchestra, they can pick and choose the sound that you're experiencing. So almost every time is different. And I think that shows that evolving research is going to actually demonstrate that people find it beneficial, they find it gives the reduction in stress and anxiety. You know, we can plug people into things as well, watch and monitor their heart rate, um, and also, one thing that Nicole does, and I enjoy doing with her too, we use the voice as part of the sound therapy uh, because you've got this wonderful resonant you know, instrument. You've got your own inbuilt sound therapy that you can use any time. Yes, well, I guess uh, I was reading some of the, the scientific writing around it and it said, look, yes, we all agree that there needs to be more research. We'd like to explore what seems to be some positive um, impacts on emotional well-being." And it was really interesting to note that the people who got the most benefit were the people who'd had the highest stress levels at the start. Yeah. <laughs> they came down the most. But uh, do we have any indication that soundbars can offer relief from physical pain? Yes, yeah, so pain in itself is a very, very complicated experience. You know, pain, the, what, the pain you experience today is often related to the pain you might have experienced when you were two years old. So the way we develop our coping strategies towards pain is um, it's developmental, it's environmental, but we do know that music in general, so participating in music, gentle humming, sound bars, they all have an effect on breaking that pain cycle that people can get into. Uh, and certainly people have self-reported reduced pain. And we're being clear here that we're not uh, suggesting replacing no. traditional therapies, uh, medical treatments with sound bars. We're, we're talking about it as a complementary therapy with Dr. Emma O'Brien and Nicole Sultana. Uh, Emma, you're a music therapist. Just quickly, how does a sound bath differ from conventional musical therapy? 
Yeah, so the, obviously there's a different training regime. If you're becoming a music therapist, it's a two-year degree at the University of Melbourne in Australia. Um, we're probably using a broader scope of music. So often music therapists will use elements of sound therapy, um, particularly with the voice. We use it a lot um, working with people with long COVID, using their own vocal resonance to help for stress reduction, uh, to help settle their heart rates, to help settle their breathing. So there's... There is a lot of crossover. We were having a discussion about that actually before we came in and I was talking, we were looking really at the, when you're experiencing a sound bath, you are immersed in this experience. When you're experiencing music therapy, you are also immersed, but it's a different sort of immersion. So I might be trying to connect more with you if I'm playing live music. But if I'm playing as someone's dying, which we do do, mm. it is very much an immersive experience and we're watching and responding in the same way that Nicole does during a sound bath. She's watching the people in the room and responding to the environment. So there's a lot of crossover there and it's great to collaborate. If we can collaborate for our patients and our in the carers the best situation, really. I'm really fascinated by the use of different uh, therapies in, in the dying space. It's something mm. I hope to talk more about on uh, Life Matters as the, the year goes on. Just quickly in our last minute together, Emma, you mentioned how we all have our voice and mm. it can be used to calm us. Can you give us a strategy? I understand there's some humming involved. Yeah, I, look, I think it's always interesting to try and find that note that you have. Um, we work a lot with our patients in that recovery to find that that resonance within your body um, and you can play around with just literally going zooming up and down your voice and you'll find a note, you really will, that you go, oh, that feels fantastic. And if you put your hand on your chest and you can also put your hand on your forehead and that resonance can actually be quite relaxing for you. Um, I have my favourite note that I like to use, but yeah. you will find one, yeah. I find, and you'll sometimes I'll change per day. You probably have maybe, maybe you've got five in the pocket. So, you know, if I'm feeling quite stressed and I'm trying to lower things, I will get a nice low note and I'll just gently hum that to myself. Give us it now. Oh, I was going to try and find yours. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, well, my note would be... And when I feel that note, I can feel it moving around. Yeah, you can join me if you want. Beautiful. Sadly, we've run out of time. Dr. Emma O'Brien is a sound therapist and she leads the music therapy service at the Royal Melbourne Hospital. And what a beautiful note, literally and figuratively, to end on. Nicole Sultana, thank you. Clinical therapeutic sound practitioner, great to meet you. Thank you. Find more great ABC RN stories that take you beyond the headlines on the ABC Listen app.